0: Chapter 53 of The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties by Fanny Bierney. Chapter 53 This delusion, unfortunately, was not of long duration on either side mrs ireton no sooner observed that juliet appeared to be settled than all zest for detaining her seized no sooner became accustomed to hearing at will the harp or the pianoforte than she found something to say or to do that interrupted the performance every four or five bars and had no sooner secured a reader whose voice she could command at pleasure than she either quelled with every book that was begun or yawned or fondled and talked aloud to her little lap-dog during the whole time that any work was read this quick abatement in the power of pleasing was supported by juliet With indifference rather than philosophy where interest alone is concerned disappointment is rarely heavy with the young and generous age or misfortune must teach the value of pecuniary considerations to give them force yet though no tender affections no cherished hopes no favorite feelings were in the power of mrs ireton every moment of time and consequently all means of comfort were at her disposal juliet languished therefore though she would not repine and though she was not afflicted at heart she sickened with disgust the urgency of finding security from immediate insult and want induced her nevertheless to persevere in her fortitude for supporting and her efforts for ameliorating her situation but the novelty over all labor was vain all success was at an end and in a very short time she would have contributed no more to the expulsion of spleen than any other inmate of the house had not her superior acquirements opened a more extensive field for the exercise of tyranny and caprice and in that excuse alone juliet soon saw consisted every sensation of pleasure of which mrs ireton was susceptible of the many new tasks of juliet that which she found the most severe was inventing amusement for another while sad and dispirited herself it was her duty to be always at hand early or late it was her business to furnish entertainment Whether sick or well, success, therefore, was unacknowledged, through failure was resented. There was no relaxation to her toil, no rest for her person, no recruit for her spirits. From her sleep alone she could purloin the few minutes that she dedicated to her pen and her Gabriella. If a new novel excited interest, or a political pamphlet, awakened curiosity she was called upon to read whole hours nay whole days without intermission even a near extinction of voice did not authorize so great a liberty as that of requesting a few minutes for rest mrs ireton who regarded all the world as robust compared with herself deemed it as an impertinent rivalry of a delicacy which she held to be unexampled ever to pronounce the word fatigue ever to heave a sigh of lassitude or ever even to allude to that part of the human frame which is called nerves unless with some pointed reference to herself with the same despotic hardness she ordered juliet to the harp or pianoforte and made her play through if she were suffering from the acutest headache and sing when hoarse and short breathed from the most violent cold yet those commands however arbitrary and unfeeling were more supportable than those with which after every other source of tyrannic authority had been drained the day was ordinarily concluded mrs ireton at the hour of retiring when weary alike of books and of music listless fretful captious too sleepy for any exertion yet too wakeful or uneasy for repose constantly brought forward the same inquiries which had so often been urged and repelled in the week that they had spent together upon their arrival from france repeated the same sneers revived the same suspicions and recurred to the same rude interrogatories or offensive insinuations at meals The humble companion was always helped last, even when there were gentlemen, even when there were children at the table, and always to what was worst, to what was rejected as ill cooked, or left as spoilt and bad. No question was ever asked of what she chose or what she disliked. Sometimes she was even utterly forgotten, and as no one ventured to remind mrs Ireton of any omission, her helpless protegee upon such occasions rose half famished from the inhospitable board upon the entrance of any visitors not satisfied to let the humble companion glide gently away the haughty patroness called out in a tone of command you may go to your room now i shall send for you when i am at leisure or you may stand at the window if you will you won't be in the way i believe and i shall want you presently or if she feared that any one of the party had failed to remark this augmentation of her household and of her power she would retard the willing departure by some frivolous and vexatious commission as stop miss ellis do pray tie this string a little tighter or. Draw up my gloves a little higher, but be so good as not to pinch me, unless you have a particular fancy for it. If dryly, though respectfully, Juliet ever proposed to wait in her own room, the answer was, in your own room? Oh, I, well, that may be better. I beg your pardon for having proposed that you should wait in one of mine. I beg your pardon a thousand times. I really did not think of what I was saying. I hope you'll forgive my inattention. When then, silently, and with difficulty forbearing from shrugging her shoulders, Juliet walked away. She was again stopped by. One moment. Miss Ellis, if it won't be requesting too great a favor, pray when I want you, where may I hear of your servants? For to be sure you don't mean that mine should scamper up and down all day long for you you cannot mean that you must have a lackey of your own no doubt some page or spruce footboy at your command to run upon your errands only pray let some of my people know where he may be met with but if when the purpose was answered of drawing the attention of her guests upon her new dependent that attention were followed by any looks of approbation, or marks of civility, she hastily exclaimed. Oh, pray, don't disturb yourself, sir, or ma'am, Tis only a young woman I have engaged to read to me, a young person whom I have taken into my house out of compassion. And then, feebly nodding, she would affect to be suddenly struck, with something which she had already repeatedly seen and cry well i declare that gown is not ugly miss ellis how did you come by it or that ribbon's pretty enough who gave it to you ah thought juliet conduct such as this that makes inequality of fortune baleful where superior wealth falls into liberal hands where its possessor is an aurora grain bill. It proves it good still more to the surrounders than to the owners. It blesses those that give and those that take. But, oh, where it is misused for the purposes of bowing down the indigent, of opposing the helpless, of triumphing over the dependent, then how baneful then is the inequality of fortune. With those thoughts, and deeply hurt, she was twenty times upon the point of retiring during the first week of her distasteful office but the sameness of the offences soon robbed the mortifications of their poignancy and apathy in a short time taking place of sensibility she learnt to bear them if not with indifference at least with its precursor contempt amongst the most irksome of the toils to which this subjection made her liable was the care not of the education nor mind nor manners but of the amusements of the little nephew of mrs ireton whom that lady rather exalted than blushed to see universally regarded as a spoilt child the temper of this young creature was grown so capricious from an incessant indulgence, that no compliance, no luxury, no diversion could afford him more than momentary pleasure; while his passions were become so ungovernable, that upon every contrary or disappointment, he vented his rage to the utmost extent of his force, upon whomsoever, or whatsoever, animate or inanimate, he could reach all the mischief thus committed the injuries thus sustained the noise and disturbance thus raised were to be borne throughout the house without a murmur whatever destruction he caused mrs ireton was always sure was through the fault of someone else what he mutilated or broke she had equal certainty must have been merely by accident and those he hurt or ill-used must have provoked his anger if any one ventured to complain twas the sufferer not the inflictor who was treated as culpable it was the misfortune of Julia to excite by her novelty the attention of this young tyrant and by her powers of entertainment exerted inadvertently from a love of obliging to become his favorite the hope of softening his temper and manners by amusing his mind had blinded her at first the trouble the torment rather of such pre-eminence which soon proved one of the most serious evils of her situation mrs ireton having raised in his young bosom expectations never to be realised by passing the impossible decree that nothing must be denied to her eldest brother's eldest son had authorised demands from him and licensed wishes destructive both to his understanding and his happiness when the difficulties which this decree occasioned devolved upon a domestic she left him to get rid of them as he could only reserving to herself the right to blame the way that was taken be it what it might but when the embarrassment fell to her own lot when the spoilt urchin claimed what was every way unattainable she had been in the habit of sending him abroad for the immediate relief of her nerves the favour into which he took Juliet now offered a new and more convenient resource instead of order the carriage and let the child go out, Miss Ellis was called upon to play with him, to tell him stories, to shew him pictures, to build houses for him with cards, or to suffer herself to be dragged unmeaningly, yet wilfully and forcibly, from walk to walk in the garden, or from room to room in the house, still tired and quarrelly even with her compliance, he recruited his wearied caprices with sleep. Nor even here ended the enroachments upon her time. Her attention, her liberty, not only the spoiled child, but the favourite dog was put under her superintendence and she was instructed to take charge of the earrings and exercise of Bihu, and to carry him where the road was rough or neary that he might not soil those paws which had the exclusive privilege of touching the lady of the mansion and even of pulling padding and scratching her robes and attire for his recreation to many in the place of juliet the spoiled child and the spoilt cur would have been objects of detestation but against the mere instruments of malice she harboured no resentment the dog low snarling and snapping at every one but his mistress juliet saw as vicious only from evil habits which were imbibed, nay taught, rather than natural the child though wantonly revelling in mischief of every kind she considered but as a little savage who, while enjoying the splendor and luxury of civilized life, was as unformed, as rough, as untaught, and, therefore, as little responsible for his conduct, as if just caught and brought wild and untamed, from the woods. The animal, therefore, she exculpated, the child she pitied. It was the mistress of the mansion alone, who, willful in all she did, and conscious, of all she inflicted, provoked bitterer feelings, and to these the severest poignancy was accidentally added to Juliet, by the cruel local circumstance of receiving continual indignity in the very house, nay, the very room, where, in sweetest intercourse, she had been accustomed to be treated upon terms of generous equality by Lady Aurora Granville. End of chapter fifty three